Hi, and welcome to show number 17 of the El Capsita Travel Talk podcast, where people share travel stories and adventure. My name is Tony Lloyd, and I'm your host. I'd like to thank all the people who have been supporting us so far. And for the new people, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe. Also, if you're interested in supporting our show, please take a look at our podcast notes for the details on how to do so. On our Facebook page, we have the written stories. And if you're someone who likes to write, we're still looking for you to write some more stories. For any other questions or comments that you have, please send us an email to lcapsitatraveltalks at gmail.com. For today's show, the tables have turned. We'll be featuring the interview I did here at the hostel in Cuenca, Ecuador with Johnny Bless for the radio station FM4 in Vienna, Austria. This interview will give you an insight a bit about me, especially as a TCK, and also some of my own travel adventures. So please get yourself a cup of tea or a coffee and enjoy today's show. FM4 Reality Check. Where are you from? Where am I from? Okay. Tony Lloyd is a Canadian, at least on paper. However, he has spent less than eight years of his life in Canada. Although I'm proud of my different cultures, I don't really feel like I fit exactly one of those. But perhaps a bigger problem is when the rest of the world does not accept you either. I had three immigration officers that said, could you please come with us? They never expected to see a black Canadian. Join me and expat entrepreneur Tony Lloyd for a chat about multiculturalism and national identity right now on FM Fears Reality Check. You don't look like a Canadian. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. How do I then convince these people that I really am who I am? Welcome to an FM Fear Reality Check special with me, Johnny Bliss. Today's program takes me to Cuenca, a city in southern Ecuador, where I met a very interesting character who carries a Canadian passport, but who has spent very little of his life in Canada. A bit like me, come to think of it. Now, he's not a stereotypical Canadian. For one thing, he's black. For another, he's fluent in several languages. And for another, he lives in Ecuador. He tells me, all his life, people have tried to put him in boxes and failed. Sometimes this has put him in serious danger, but it has also saved his life. On every occasion, it has led to very existential questions about what it even means to be a citizen of a country and what national identity even means. His name is Tony Lloyd, and over the next hour, we'll be hearing some of his stories and musings about his life as a multicultural citizen of the world. SMC Reality Check. Today's reality check is about a man of the world named Tony Lloyd. He lives in Ecuador, and he has lived in South America for over 20 years, but he definitely does not identify as an Ecuadorian. For Tony, identity has always been a bit more complicated. Take, for example, his answer to my question, Where are you from, Tony? Where am I from? Okay. When the answer to that question provokes laughter, you know you're in for a good story. Canada is a passport I hold, but my mother's Jamaican and my father's English. I lived six years in the United States and it's now been 20 years here in Ecuador, three and a half years in Colombia, and spent a short time in France. So, so how much time have you actually lived in Canada then? It's only been eight years altogether. For you, it's a, it's a bit weird when people ask you where you're from. Like, it's a, it's a hard question to really answer succinctly. Well, you know, the thing about asking a question where you're from, people try to place you in a certain way, and they decide, okay, if I say Canada, they automatically have these stereotypes. And every so often when I say, okay, I'm Jamaican, then Bob Marley songs start coming out of their mouths. And I'm like, well, no, that's not what I am. And if you say English, a cup of tea comes up. Although I'm proud of my different cultures, I don't really feel like I fit exactly one of those. 
And I've since learned in the last few years that there's something called a transcultural kids, and I identify myself as a TCK, a transcultural child. So just people who come from such different cultural backgrounds that it's really hard to place them. Sometimes the issue is placing yourself and understanding you don't really fit in any one particular box. Yes, there are some things that I miss, like I miss the idea of being able to say, okay, this is my best friend since kindergarten, and we grew up on the same street all our lives, and I have to admit that I do miss that, and that's one of the things I think about that I miss. But when I think of the fact that I've had the opportunity to live in different cultures, I speak three different languages, I feel that I'm very privileged. I've been in situations where I've seen people who are unicultural people, and I then identify that, wow, there are things that I could see in a different way that they can't see. And when a lot of TCKs learn that about themselves, they usually understand and appreciate a lot more what it's all about, being somebody of a multicultural background. But not fitting into stereotypes can come with risks. It can backfire spectacularly, particularly when customs and immigration do not believe that you are who you say you are. Stay tuned, and uh, Tony will explain. FM A few minutes ago, world citizen Tony Lloyd was telling me about the benefits and positive aspects of coming from a multicultural background. But Tony also told me a chilling story of how not looking like a stereotype had advantages, but also nearly led to prison time in Cuba. I had a great holiday. I benefited that Cuban people all looked at me and assumed that I was Cuban. So, for example, all museums are free to Cuban citizens, while foreigners, travelers will have to pay. So I definitely enjoyed my time, uh, unless I opened my mouth for too long. Most people couldn't recognize that I was not Cuban. But after completing my month-long trip in Cuba, I got to the airport presented my Canadian passport with my airline ticket to Quito, Ecuador. I had three immigration officers that said, could you please come with us? And then I was brought into a very small room, just a desk and two chairs, one on either side, thinking, okay, I didn't do anything wrong, so why should I be afraid? And then they started to question me, where are you from? And I said, well, I'm Canadian. Why are you going to Ecuador? And I said, because I live in Ecuador. Okay, if you're Canadian, tell us who your president is. And I said, well, Canada doesn't have a president, it has a prime minister. In which state is the capital of Canada? And I said, well, we don't have states, we have provinces. These first questions, by the way, was in Spanish. By that point, my Spanish was fluent enough. And so another gentleman came in and started asking me questions in English. Sometimes when I'd answer in English, they would say, why are you answering in English? And I said, because you just asked me the question in English. And sometimes when I'd answer in Spanish, they'd say, okay, how do you know how to speak Spanish? And, you know, they just kept throwing the questions at me. About two and a half hours, everyone left the room and left me with only one person in the room. And he was trying to convince me that I should give up. And I said, what are you talking about? Give up what? He goes, we know that you're from Cuba. Why don't you just admit it? And then this will be much easier for you because we're going to find out the truth. And that's when I started to get really scared. One of the things that he then started to explain to me, he said, well, the passport that is most stolen in Cuba are Canadian passport. And we do know that you don't look like a Canadian. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Because basically 90% or 98% of the Canadians who would go to Cuba on holiday are usually white, blonde, blue eyes, and not uh, black. The majority will not speak Spanish. The other thing is that when they leave, they're heading back to Canada. 
they're not heading back to some odd country like Ecuador. I sort of matched all of these tags. And it actually made me even more scared because I was like, okay, how do I then convince these people that I really am who I am? If I got thrown into a Cuban jail for them thinking that I'm Cuban, they're not going to contact the Canadian embassy. They'll just lock me away as being a crazy person. They held the flight because they had to make a decision whether or not they were going to let me go on the flight or not. I cannot explain how relieved I was when they said, okay, we're going to let you go. I walked onto the plane. Everybody who was sitting on the plane were giving me these weird looks. I sat down, looking out the window. I could see them standing by the plane. And I just kept thinking, please, plane, just go, just go, just lift up, just go. And when it was in the sky, I had a half sense of relief. But it wasn't until the plane touched down in Quito, Ecuador, that I was like, I'm home. <laughs> FM4 Reality Check. I'm Johnny Bliss, and today's Reality Check special features the Canadian citizen Tony Lloyd. Tony has Jamaican and English parentage, and he has lived all over the world, finally settling on Ecuador. So his identity is as mixed and colorful as his personality. Over the years, he has found that not fitting into any box can be a problem, but it has also saved his life. Several years ago, he was in Colombia's capital, Bogota setting up a youth hostel along with some locals and a few people from other countries. As the head of the project, he attracted the unfortunate attention of some gangsters who came looking for him to extort money. However, when they found him, they were blinded by their own expectations, both of his appearance and his language skills. Between 9.30 and 10 in the morning, on a Monday morning, I opened my eyes and I had... Four men in business suits. And obviously, since I'm not accustomed to having four men in my room when I wake up, I just grabbed the blanket and I just rolled over because I thought, I'm really tired, so I might just be dreaming. And one of them grabbed hold of the blanket and pulled it off of me and threw it. And then they started saying, get up, get up, get out of bed right now. And then they brought me downstairs. I saw my other three Colombian counterparts. They were on the floor and they indicated to me, gosh, don't say anything, don't say anything. There was another guy who was working with us from Spain, Jose. A few minutes later, they brought Jose down. But unfortunately, his whole face was swollen. He was bleeding. Just to look at him and see that he was in such a bloody state, it was heartbreaking. And I still had no idea what was going on. But I knew that I was the person responsible. I was the boss. So when they pushed him back to sit down on the floor with us, I grabbed him and I hugged him just like he would hug a child. And I was just in, in tears. Finally, one of them came over again and pointed the gun directly at me. And he said, you're the boss. You must be the boss. I said to him in Spanish, no, you no soy el jefe. Basically, no, I'm not the boss. The boss is not here right now. Later on, my Colombian counterparts were laughing because they said that basically they'd never heard me such perfect Spanish with such a perfect Colombian accent in the entire time that they knew me. The guys, when they realized that they couldn't find what they were looking for, they locked us into a bathroom and told us not to talk and that if they heard a sound out of us, they were going to shoot us. We were there for about 40 minutes more until finally somebody showed up into the building. The police came, they took us out, and then the police started to ask me, well, do you know these people? And I said, I have no idea who they are. Well, why would they come looking for you? And I said, well, I don't know that they came looking for me. I have no idea who they were. Jose then commented also that when they were hitting him, they said to him, well, we know you're Canadian, and we want to know where you've got the money. One of the guys 
finally said, no, 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 I don't think it's him because that's a Spanish accent. He doesn't have a gringo accent. That's when they brought him downstairs, and that's when we saw him, and then they continued to search the house. They actually knew my name. When they showed up at the front door, they said, is Senor Tony here? They were looking for who the Canadian was. And when they saw Jose, who was blonde, blue eyes, they assumed that he must be the Canadian. So that's why they started beating on him. And so the police officer said, well, we need you to go around the house and to look to see what's missing. And at that moment, it hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, my bag, it's got my passport, it's got four to $5,000 to pay the bills. It was in my room. Oh my gosh, they must have taken it. And I ran upstairs. And when I ran into the room, and I saw the blanket that they had grabbed off of me, and they threw it to the ground. And when I lifted the blanket up, lo and behold, underneath the blanket was my bag that I had everything, my documents, everything that would have demonstrated that I was Canadian and the money they themselves had managed to throw the blanket on top of it. So they left the building never identifying who the Canadian was that they came to look for. They never expected to see a black Canadian. FM4 Reality Check. So, over the course of this program, we've heard about some of the awkward situations that you can get into as a multicultural person without a national identity. Tony Lloyd, the narrator of today's colorful stories, told me, however, that even so, he has also occasionally made some assumptions about other people and embarrassed himself by doing so. His final tale takes us to central Ecuador. There's a little town which is called Sacasili, and every Thursday there's a market. We got to Sacasili on Wednesday nights. It was 8 o'clock at night, but the town was completely dead. What you have to understand is a lot of these country markets will start anywhere from 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes 4 o'clock in the morning. So the people who are coming to go to these markets, by sundown, they're going to bed. And we had not made a reservation. The hotel that we wanted to go to, we said, I'm sorry, that we're full. We went to one or two other places. There were no space. We went to our third option, rang the doorbell, and the lady said to us, yes, we do have some space. She brought us into the first room where there were two single beds, like very small single beds. But one of them had somebody sleeping in it, and he seemed to have had something underneath his blanket. It just, I don't know, maybe it was his, the things that he was going to sell. I looked at it, okay, whatever he was going to sell in the market, he had underneath the blanket with him. I said to uh, Sarah, who was with me, I said, okay, well, you go on the inside, so you sleep towards the wall, you're in the wall, and I'll sleep on the edge of the, the bed. I fell asleep, but then I sort of woke up in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, my hand, which was hanging over the bed, I felt a tongue licking my hand. And I was like, no, I'm not going to open my eyes. This is really weird. This man is licking my hand. Oh, no. Eventually, I thought, okay, oh, my gosh, it really is happening. My hand is being licked. And I had a flashlight. So I turned on the flashlight. And I assumed that I, what I was going to see was his face. And it turned out that what he had had in the bed with him underneath the blankets was a goat and he was bringing his goat to be sold in the market four o'clock or five o'clock in the morning and the goat had stuck his head out of the blanket and reached over at first I didn't identify as a girl I just started screaming like ah and obviously he woke up Sarah woke up also and we were like looking and we're like 
everybody just sort of calmed down, you know, with the flashlight and everyone went back to sleep. But I was sorry that I that I assumed that he would be licking my hand. I was sorry that, you know, all of a sudden I felt like I was the one that was wrong. FM4, reality check. Well, I'm afraid we've run out of time on today's reality check special with multicultural man of the world, Tony Lloyd, who carries a Canadian passport but very seldom ever been to Canada. He's found a new home in Ecuador where he runs a hostel called the Cafecito and he seems pretty content there. I asked him, after all of these years, how did he finally find a place that he could call home? It wasn't like I chose and said, okay, it's going to be Ecuador. I think really what it was, the line of work that I sort of stumbled into, dealing with this transient community, I felt at home. I was always somebody who couldn't identify where home was and I created a home, I created a space and these people were coming into my space and they were sharing in my space. I think nothing is worth doing unless you can share it with somebody and I had found I'd created a space which was mine. If you want to visit Tony in his space that is his he can be found at the Cafecito in Cuenca in Ecuador. It's a home it's it's my home and I invite you into my home. Once again that's the Cafecito and if you want to see some pictures of Tony Lloyd and his hostel you can check out my web story which features exclusive bonus clips and pictures and text and stuff. So check it out at fm4.orf.at. And you can listen to this entire program again on our FM4 Zebentaga player, where you'll also find the full list of the music featured in the show. I hope you enjoyed the program, and coming up, FM4 Connected will be starting in just a few minutes. Hasta luego, as the Ecuadorians might say. FM4 ORF.at slash podcast. Thanks for listening and hope you enjoyed today's show. For me, it was a bit weird sitting on the other side of the table, but I have had several people now ask me to share some of my own stories. So in the future, I will be sharing some more. So please stay tuned. For the people who have not subscribed as of yet, I encourage you to do so and also to leave us some reviews. If you'd like to help and support our show, please take a look at the podcast notes to see how you could donate. So don't forget to check out our Facebook page with our written stories and we're always looking people to write us some more stories. Any other questions or comments that you might have, please send an email to lkfcthetraveltalks at gmail.com. A shout out as always for our editor Marshall. I look forward to hosting you one day here at the Cafecito in Cuenca, Ecuador. And also please take a look at our sister location in Quito. For now, all the best. Take care of yourself and please stay safe.